Mike's going to now tell you why uh, Atos sucks, in his opinion. Uh, I'm not going to say that. I'm Justin Lesko, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt and former pro MMA fighter. And I'm Mike Callahan, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt and a law enforcement officer. So the Danaher death squad is no more. It seems to be official. John Danaher posted on Instagram and some of the guys followed suit announcing the group is splitting up. One of the most dominant teams in jiu-jitsu is going their separate ways. Yeah, so with that being said, it kind of got us thinking, who can we look to as the best team in jiu-jitsu right now? Well, this is going to be one of the biggest debates in jiu-jitsu. We've also got some other things that we're going to be debating, but at least there's one thing that we can agree on. That you can't pass my guard? Stop it right now. That there are more exciting events at this year's Olympics than wrestling? No, I know what you're doing. Now I know you're lying through your teeth. Now you're just doing a stagger bait me. Well, the good news is that even though Mike can't pass my guard, Epic Roll has him covered, so he'll still look really cool while he can't pass. Yeah, and Epic Roll has tons of gear. Even Justin, when he's sitting there like a fucking dork watching his cycling or whatever the fuck he's watching this week, um, they got you covered. At least people like Justin at that point could still feel cool. All right, well, maybe I deserve that, but Epic Roll Apparel is designed by grapplers for grapplers, and you can get 15% off your order by using the coupon code PODCAST15 at epicrollbjj.com. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, sweatpants, shorts, geese, rash guards, coffee mugs, artwork. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, they got you covered. Anything you need, they got you covered. Give them a follow on Instagram as well, at EpicRollBJJ. And don't forget our coupon code PODCAST15 to get a sweet discount at EpicRollBJJ.com. Now, let's argue. Welcome to That Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. Are you more jealous of my brand new spectacular microphone or my brand new spectacular t-shirt? Which which has you more envious? The t-shirt. Well, don't worry. I have a t-shirt for you here. Thank you. I appreciate that. I would like you to mail it to me. I'm not going to mail it to you. I'm just going to keep it. If you don't come claim it within a week, I'm going to just wear it. What are you going to do? Sleep in it? <laughs> Is that going to be? Yeah. It's a 3X, so it might be a little tight on you, but I'll be Absolutely not. It. It's a large, but, you know, it'll be. What are, what are those things? The, uh, the, the. Snuggie. Yeah, it's a Snuggie. It's Justin's <laughs> new. Epic Roll makes Snuggies for Justin. A Snuggie is just a bathrobe that you put on backwards. Mm-hmm. This is not why people listen to our show. So the Danaher Death Squad has broken up, and we're we're gonna talk about it just like briefly, briefly, because like as we're pushing record on the computers today, there's still news coming out about it. So if we record an episode all about a breaking story, by the time I edit it and put it out, our episode won't make any sense because everything might have changed. So what we know at this point, because we're in the past to you, the listener who's in our future. Gordon Ryan is moving to Austin, Texas to open a school. Craig Jones and Nikki Ryan and Ethan Krenlinstein and who else? One more. Craig Jones, Nikki Ryan, Nikki Rod, and Ethan Krenlinstein are staying in Puerto Rico. Danaher had a very interesting post where he announced the split. And the one line that stick out, stuck out to me the most was, most of us still get along very well, which makes you think that maybe there was like a Yoko Ono type situation and people weren't getting along. It's just That's what we know. If that really is the case, it's so silly. It's so stupid. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pointless to speculate. What we do know is that Gordon Ryan announced that he's moving to Austin, Texas to open up an academy. Um, 
We don't know who's going with him. He's kind of hinted that Danaher's going to be with him. Um, but well, I don't listen to every single Joe Rogan podcast, but I saw someone commented that Rogan may have slipped up a bit and said that Danaher was moving to Austin on a most on a, on a recent episode, which wasn't pu- public knowledge at the time. So that could track that. Yeah. This is why we're not going to talk about this topic super in depth because but, so many things are happening all at once. But I mean, yes. the, the magnitude of it is is noteworthy. It's just this is um, the most pol- polarizing jujitsu squad that has ever been around. It's bizarre. It's bizarre that they're not going to be training under one roof, um, and hopefully, no one's game suffers because of it. We had actually planned for a while to do an episode talking about where some of these big teams ranked and, you know, the debate amongst guys who are big Gordon fans and guys who are big Andre Galvo and Atos fans and, you know, some of those big debates. And then today this all popped off. So we had to scramble a little bit before we pushed play. But like I said at the top, this is what we know at this point. I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, we'll have even more details to know. But Mike's going to now tell you why uh, Atos sucks, in his opinion, and the Death Squad's the best. Uh, I'm not going to say that. So, <laughs> remember when Drysdale went off on that, like, douchey rant? Yeah. You know, there wasn't, it wasn't that he was false in his assertions that Checkmat and Gracie Baja and Alliance are all, like, top-level teams. They are. They're, they're three of the best teams in the world. The problem that we had on here with Drysdale's comments was that he was just out of, because of his personal bias to Gordon Ryan and those guys, that he was just kind of discrediting the work that uh, Dan and her squad did. But separate of that, those are three of the best teams in the world. Atos, Checkmat, Gracie Baja, Alliance, or, or four of them. Um, and, and that's not going to change. That's not going to be impacted at all. The one thing that you can say about those four teams is they've gained notoriety in gi and no gi, so they weren't really being impacted, you know, in the gi side on the gi side of things by the Danaher squad anyway. Gracie Baja probably has the most like team titles at Worlds, right? They're probably the most accomplished in the team competition. You think Atos probably has the most like individual yeah, yes. championships? Yeah. So if you're looking just at that perspective, it's hard to say who's the best team, who's had the biggest impact on the sport and the biggest influence in technique. Probably the Death Squad, right? So I think it all depends on how you look at who's the most important team, who's the best team, who who's the most significant team. Personally, I feel like the death squad has impacted my game the most because I think I play a closer style to the Gordon Ryan style than I do to the Andre Galvo style, but we'll call it lowercase versions of their style. But I, it, for impact and for who I would be most excited to see, not Atos, and that's not a slight against them. It's just I want to watch a similar technique to mine. So they have, if you look at it, they have the Rotolo brothers, they have Kynan Duarte, Lucas Barbosa, Andre Galvo, uh, Ronaldo Jr. Yeah, it's um, a stacked roster. Like it's a stacked roster. Josh Hinger. But like you said, it's all these are guys who are capable of, of making noise individually. These are guys who, in the event that these Danaher guys just like up and leave, these are the guys that, that are going to benefit in the no-gi world, like these individuals. 
Um, with that being said, I don't see that happening, especially if that room in Puerto Rico. So there's speculation that Craig Jones, we were talking, just talking about it. Craig Jones, Nicky Rod, Nicky Ryan, and uh, Krenlinstein are all staying together in Puerto Rico. And if there's if there's truth to that, then you know I, I don't foresee their their games dropping off significantly. Side note: I did offer Craig Jones um, a new position at our potential new school as head instructor for a very handsome salary of no more than fifty dollars a week on Instagram today, and he has yet to get back to me. So stay tuned. I'll we keep you posted. We could give him a place to stay, like the industrial parks where we're, we're looking right now. They, you know, they're they're very nice. I mean, you know, there's a yeah. We'll, there's, we'll get him a camper. We'll, we'll put like a little perfect idea. I was actually thinking of like a bunk room for him. You know, with like a, a little TV and a, and a mini fridge, you know, so. Yeah, that works too. Craig, just get but back. But if, if he get gets that, if, if he gets that, he's not getting $50 a week. If he's getting a place to yeah, live. Yeah, it's one or like the other. One burrito a day from 7-Eleven, he's not getting $50. Yeah, it's one or the other. It's one or the other. Yeah. So, cool. So, I think the biggest debate in jujitsu, if you look past like who would beat who, which team is better, it has to be guard puller versus guard passer because i think there's two camps and both thinks that the other is stupid and i think you know what camp we fall into i would fall put myself into the guard puller category but guard passers really hate guard pullers yeah i would just put you in the category of your wrestling sucks so you sit on the you sit on your ass a lot but anyway it's a debate Easy. for another day it's all right your wrestling's terrible but anyway i i think that the that the game as it has kind of evolved towards these more offensive guards, it's also evolved to the point where these these lazy guard players are getting penalized, which I think it should be, right? So if you're going to pull guard, it should be to engage into some type of, you know, you should be using it to get into some type of offensive position, you know? And it kind of started with ADCC, with, you know, the penalizing uh, for pulling guard and even IBJJF has kind of modified their rule set where they've actually like they're dequeuing people now you know so as the sport has evolved I like that these rule sets have been modified to encourage people if you are going to pull guard that it better be part of an offensive game plan well I won a lot of MMA fights by taking people down and punching them in the face I pulled guard in zero MMA fights but when you remove the threat of your opponent's going to get punched in the face to help set up your wrestling, it's just so much work to look for a takedown I for know. at most two points. Like what's- how many, how many, this is the, the craziest thing too. How many MMA fights did you have? Uh, like total amateur and pro. In, I think I was six and two as an amateur and then one and Three as a pro. All right, so six and two, that's eight, and then four, that's 12. So you took 12 people down. The most amazing thing is that there's 12 people in this world with shittier wrestling than you. I can't believe that to be the case. And not only are there 12 people, but you've managed to meet all 12 people. (laughs) This is where the benefit of being the video editor. And if you're not watching the YouTube version, you're just listening to the audio, you can go to our (laughs) YouTube and see the me put the clip up of me taking Mike down over and over and over. It was on a loop right now. Okay, that's fine. That was a nice loop for everyone to enjoy. Anyway, so 
if we were in a street, we've, we've gone over this before, but Justin, you know, does things to purposely avoid this, like get hurt or have children to purposely avoid wrestling matches, but it's okay. If we had a wrestling match, I, I, I stand by this. I don't know. Depending on how long the wrestling match is, I don't know if Justin would take me down. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm leaning more towards no. If it was just a straight wrestling match, it would be, it would be very ugly. Well, make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel because I would say before the, I don't know, before the fall, we could probably have a, a wrestling competition and your voice taking home the win. But back um, to the original point. Anyway. I am more likely to pull, I'm more likely to pull guard in competition because I think that I have a active guard. I have a very offensive guard and I prefer attacking with my guard as opposed to being on top in someone else's half guard where I feel my attacks are limited being on top in side control where I feel like I'm spending more time trying to keep a position as opposed to set up dominant submissions. And I think I'm a little trickier in my guard game. So I'm more likely to pull for anyone who may potentially face me in a super fight or a tournament. I will probably pull, but I do like throwing people too. I think I try to go into most matches with the assumption that I'm going to feel it out. And if I don't feel really confident in the ability, to, the ability to hit a throw, I'll probably pull with good grips established and yeah. get right to work. I was just going to jump in guard. People who jump close guard are like, you get all, you deserve all the hate you get and you make guard pullers look bad. But I will say this, like you have insane, insane grip strength, like insane grip strength for a hundred and yeah. It's like vice grips on your gi, um, especially in the gi. Like even in, in your collar ties, when when we're in no gi, like I can feel your grip strength. But it's almost like my like my lapels are in vices. So when you get those grips, you know I feel like I am <laughs> likely to get thrown. So <laughs> <laughs> you heard it. That's I, that's I'm saving that clip. I'm saying that's going to be the intro with the wrestling takedown competition. So I don't think that if I like assess your, your stand up, you know, or your, your takedowns, it's more of a judo based thing. Like I don't, you're not somebody who's a traditional wrestler. Like you can take people down, but you like to set up your takedowns with your grips, you know, and your throws. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not shooting a blast double from the center. Like that's just not me. It's just not my, it's not my game. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but even like Nogi, like someone like Craig Jones, who will sit down right at the start of a match, Craig Jones will sit right to his butt and he'll look to come forward and advance and set up his game. I think that's okay. I don't think people should hate guard pullers in that sense. Like if someone's being active, what does it matter how they're being active? If if you have a good guard, why am I going to not use my good guard because someone else doesn't like it? But speaking of gi or no gi, I think that's another big debate yeah. between people who only want to train in the gi and people who only want to train no gi. Like the death squad guys are obviously only no gi players. Uh, Mikey Musumeci just did five plus years of only competing in the gi before now only competing no gi. I go back and forth. Like there's times where I'm like, I only want the gi. I'm super excited for gi days and no gi. I'm just trying to get through it. Right. And then like the next week it switches and I'm all about no gi and I just want to play leg locks and hunt for heels and the gi. I'm just kind of like, all right, whatever the gi. I, I kind of, uh, 
I change camps quite regularly. Yeah, I go back to like it wasn't until I really started training um, at NPR a couple of years ago with with um, Danny Myra. My thing was I just used to take my my game in a gi and try to transfer it into no gi, and it, it wasn't until like I was training over there that it that my outlook got completely changed, and you have to essentially have two different approaches right one in the game one in the no gate it's not like oh, i'm just going to take my jacket off and do the same shit that i was doing it just doesn't work like that i was like strictly a gi player and i would like i would go to no gi classes and everything but i've actually started to enjoy no gi a little bit more i but would you agree with me that people should train both that you shouldn't be a specialist unless you're unless you're gordon ryan making all your money by being a nogi specialist or unless you're Craig yeah. Jones making yes. all your money. Like if you're an average hobbyist, it's okay to have a preference, but you should train in both in my less than humble opinion. Yeah. I think I have a controversial one. All right, guys, we just want to take a quick break to let you know about all the bonus content we have coming your way shortly. We put out a lot of bonus content each month, like our blooper reel. Which is out now. And our monthly Q&A episode. Which is coming out within the next few days. Plus, you can get access to episodes before anyone else. And everyone who listens on Patreon listens to the show ad-free. The link to our Patreon is below. This is a great way to get some more of your favorite podcasts in your life. And now back to the show. Okay, let me have it. Let me hear it. I'll be the judge of that. Objection. I texted you this earlier, like last week we talked about this, because I actually saw this on a a Reddit post a couple weeks ago, and someone had said, is it okay to take steroids if you're an older competitor and you want to compete in a lower division? So if you're like Masters 3 and you want to compete in adult, is it okay to take the juice to level things out? No. Right. That's what I said. No. But I think that there is a large contingency of people in jujitsu who think that steroids are no biggie. And if you're just competing, what does it matter? And a juice versus no juice camp. And there's people in jujitsu who think that it's okay to take steroids regardless of where you're competing. You know, it's not people that are just jumping down weight or jumping down age divisions. So no, but that but that post got me thinking of like, there are people, and that's why I texted you. Do you think as we get older and we are competing against people who are Masters 2, Masters 3, you know, if we're still competing when we're 50, 60 years old, is there a direct correlation between the age at which you compete and the percentage of people at steroids? So, like, the older your age, the higher percentage there is of the juice? Uh, I think that there is. Yeah. But it's kind of the same thing with, like, do you think that elite competitors should or should not be drug tested if everyone's gonna do it should we just say gordon and andre go ahead juice to the gills let's see what happens when you guys compete against each other and let's go or should we have like strict drug testing and say keep the sport a little more clean i'm against it and i'm even against like testosterone replacement as it pertains to sports you know i think that there should be levels and there are and anything above those levels if you have elevated levels, then it should be essentially banned. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Like maybe in twenty years, like if it can drastically improve your quality of life, like yeah, maybe I'll take it and then. But I just don't see it. 
Um, and I, you know, I'm all for just a clean sport. So regardless of what it is, um, any performance enhancing drugs, anabolic steroids, um, EPOs, which by the way, if anybody go, go and read on these five, I, we talked about this on here before about these EPOs, go and read up on them again. They just posted something. I, I reached, I, I read a couple articles because it was, it became relevant again because Dillashaw just came back from his suspension. But I was reading articles. Yeah, people were big time mad at me on Twitter because everyone was talking about how great Dillashaw looked in his return fight, which close decision win. You, know, you can give it to Sanhagen. But um, I just was reminding people that this guy was a cheater, right? Like we just didn't like this guy a few weeks ago because he was a big time cheater. Like he's a cheater, right? And people got real mad about calling a cheater a cheater. So I guess tread carefully on Twitter. So EPOs are the, the I think it should be almost like a mortal sin in any type of sport that requires any type of cardiovascular endurance because it increases the amount of red blood cells that you have in your body and that in turn increases the amount of oxygen that you're getting to your to your muscles and to to everything else you know so it, it increases the amount of oxygen you're getting it increases the amount of red blood cells um and therefore it just gives you like incredible cardio that's the short of it and there's people out there who make it sound much more intelligent than I did. There's a ton of articles. There's a ton of recent I'm right article. here. I can explain it. I'm right here. I, I, I literally just explained it as good as Justin would. However, um, there's a lot of recent articles out there. So, so that it's not going to make you bigger. It's not going to make you stronger necessarily, but it's going to increase your cardio. So EPOs, anabolic steroids, even testosterone, like shit like that, that's going to give you any type of edge. It should be banned. It's just personal opinion. I know that there's a lot of people out there that are going to disagree with it. It's totally fine, but keep it clean. Well, the thing with EPO too is you think of like, yes, in competition, TJ Dillashaw was going to have amazing cardio compared to whoever he was fighting against because he was on EPO. What you don't really think about sometimes is the training benefit because if he can train for two hours longer than his opponent every single day because of the EPO that he's taking, that has a compounding effect. If after eight or 12 or 16 weeks of training camp, if every training session was two hours longer, you got a lot more work in. And you, it's, I agree with you. Keep it clean. I agree with you. Let's not let Dillashaw off the hook just because he had a good fight against Sandhagen and people like his style. Like, you cheated. Yep. No one cheats by taking steroids by accident. No one shoots up behind their own back. So anytime that someone gets popped for this, like, let's not give them too big of a right. cushion here. Right. So my stance would be on the juice versus no juice. No juice. I agree with you. No juice. So I don't really get this argument, but there's always been the argument of sport jujitsu versus street jujitsu. And there's also, you know, more to that is that sport jujitsu really isn't effective on the street. And like, I mean, we've all heard it, right? Like, and obviously I'm not talking about, um, you know, fucking barrel, barrel people on the street or anything like that. But in general, sport jujitsu is jujitsu. You know what I mean? Like I, I get that there are some techniques that you, that wouldn't be the best to do on the street. Can we, we can agree on that. But at the are you going to tell me that a lapel guard player is not going to know what to do <laughs> right. in a fist fight 
that like if right. I pull guard, if I'm a guard puller, I won't know what to do if someone grabs me from behind. Like a, a, a person who's trained in jujitsu, but they like the Baron Bolo. If they're in a street fight, they're automatically a civilian again and don't right. know what to do. Like it's a stupid, stupid argument. And I get the the side that's like jujitsu for self-defense, focus on self-defense. You should learn self-defense. And I agree doing a week of your curriculum as self-defense, like, yeah. yeah, fine. It's, it's not fun. Like I, it's not my favorite week, but whatever, but making your whole school only about self-defense. So not, we, not for me, we've actually talked about this on here before with, um, with Steve McGee from 609 and they implement something down there where it's like, I think they call it street week or something. And it's all like the, it's all defensive tactics kind of stuff, you know, self-defense, defensive tactics. And then the the rest of the month, they're back to doing what, what I mean, what would technically be called sport jiu-jitsu. And guess what? If you go down there, they're fucking hammers down there. Like, they're really good at jiu-jitsu. I just, here's the deal. If you take somebody who is, and this is just the the street jiu-jitsu analyzing their their mindset if you take somebody who's a purple belt in sport jiu-jitsu and you take somebody who's a white belt in 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 street jiu-jitsu or you know the gracie survival tactics i got news for you the purple belt in sport jiu-jitsu is going to beat the fuck out of the guy who has you, you like you know what i mean like right. it's just right it's still jiu-jitsu it's still it still right. has practical elements to it right any blue belt in jiu-jitsu will beat up any non-trained person <laughs> right right 100 like yeah weight weight becomes a factor at like if you're a blue belt 35 40 pounds blue belt versus untrained purple belt like maybe 50 pounds and up like you can have like some problems you know what i mean if you're surviving against a person who outweighs you by that much yeah like th- those are real things but a blue belt is going to be able to handle themselves against any untrained person whether or not they've ever done the Okay, so now this guy grabs you from behind. This is yeah. you step to the back. And do like, they're going to be fine. They're going to yeah. be fine. But this kind of bleeds into another big debate in jiu-jitsu. The old school, fundamentals only, hesitant to innovate camp, which would be like the Gracie camp, versus the we're going bolo, we're going leg locks, we're going worm guard. Like new school, advancing the sport, innovative techniques, and I'll let you go first because everyone knows what camp I fall in. But no, and I, 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 I'm, I'm not as much of as as a like an innovative jujitsu player as Justin is, but at the same time, so like I'm a half guard player, and then my top game is based on pressure passing. Um, at their at the core of those two things is, you know, old school jujitsu. You know, they're they're old school. They're not really, you know, new or innovative. However, um, the intricacies that I like to implement into my game, they're more modern. You know, I'm just not like an old school half guard player, you know, where it's either, you know, the old school sweep or you know, I like to incorporate lapels, I like to incorporate, you know, butterfly hooks into the half guard. So I, I, I'm I'm a I'm a little bit of uh, of a, of a mix there. Not not like Justin who hates old school and old people. Justin actually beats up old. 
<laughs> that's not true. I do this show with you. Yeah, that's not just, true. That's not true just, at all. Uh, contrary to what you believe, I'm actually older than Justin. I know Justin looks like he's at least 43, but he's not. He's 42. So I'm very aware that you need fundamental techniques to have more advanced techniques. You can't do the Baron Bolo if you can't play closed guard. Like you, you need those basic skills, the manipulation of another person's body that you can't just jump right into the deep end. And Keenan had a good, a good quote that stuck with me that I heard a long time ago where he says that if it doesn't work at the highest levels of competition, it just doesn't work. And at the highest levels of competition, you still see fundamental techniques. Hodger Gracie still wins fights via X choke from Mount. Like those techniques aren't going anywhere for a reason. But that doesn't mean that you can't improve on them. And that doesn't mean that you have to be resistant to like the phrase, this is the way we've always done it is a terrible thing. So if you're, if you want to play the leg lock game, you need to understand how half guard works, how butterfly hooks work. You need all of those building blocks and it's easy to fall into. I only like new things or it's easy to fall into. I only like close guard to to, to sweep and then get them out and then go for the choke. I think you need to have a little bit of, of both camps and your game should involve a little bit of both camps. But if I had to pick one, um, I would skip out on self-defense week and I would skip out on like arm bar from close guard week. And I would skip right ahead to advanced entries into the saddle week. But that's just me. See, he hates old people. Old people, in my opinion, no, I'm just going to stop the sentence there because there's nothing good yeah, that I can say after that sentence. That's not going to get us in trouble. So the, I, I will say this. There is a, in terms of practical elements of street jiu-jitsu versus practical elements of sports jiu-jitsu, there are more practical elements of this defense, self-defense-based system when it comes to street jiu-jitsu. The, there are more practical elements than there are of sports jiu-jitsu. However, that does not in any way mean that sports jiu-jitsu would not be effective in a street fight or, or you know, or the el- or elements of sports jiu-jitsu wouldn't be effective in a street fight. We'll just leave it at that. Right. And Justin right. hates old people. Go punch an old person. These are kind of regular. Justin, what are you doing after this? Oh, nothing. Just going to a bingo hall to start a fight. <laughs> are bingo halls really still a thing? Hey, Justin, what are, you, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. There's a Greyhound bus leaving for Atlantic City down the street from my house. I'm going to go on there and whoop some ass. You know, for someone who doesn't want people to think they're old, you sure know a lot of old people things and where they happen. The boom in popularity of sub-only events yes. as opposed to IBJJF point-based fighting. And there, there is a division between people who prefer one and, and prefer the other. And it's the, the, the only people who prefer IBJJF are the people who are successful, who, who are winning tournaments in IBJJF. Um, from a viewer standpoint, from like a fan standpoint, sub only is, is just more exciting. I, I, I like it. I like it more. Um, but there is a divide. There's certainly a divide there. You want to know why we're different people? Because when you said... The only people who like IBJJF or points only, my brain filled in the blank at the end of that sentence where I was going to say people who suck at leg locks and you went the other way of like being positive about like people who are good at that point system. Huh? I went the- well, I mean, we can't really say that anymore because IBJJF has expanded the rule set now to include leg locks. So if you're winning at IBJJF, especially in Nogi now with, with, heel, with heel hooks, 
you're good. I I think that either rule set can be gamed. A person can play the rules to their yeah. advantage and you can still stall out in sub only. You can, you know, you can stall out in points tournaments. You know, it, it's happened to me a couple of times where you get in a points tournament, you get a good wrestler on top of you who jumps into your close guard, doesn't move for the first five and a half minutes of the match, only tries to prevent you from sweeping or attacking. Yep. And then with 30 seconds left, they do a crazy explosion to try to pass your guard to try to get their points and win in 30 seconds. And that sucks. Sub only, I think, limits that a little bit more. And like you said, it's a little bit more exciting to watch. It's a little bit more of a fun tournament, but it's different strategies. I I mean, most tournaments that you're going to pay to enter are going to be point based tournaments. So you need to know how to to play those rules and you need to know what to expect. But I would much rather do like fight to win sub only or finishers sub only tournaments where I can attack the whole time. And not have to worry that like, oh, I went for a somewhat risky attack. I hope I don't give up any points because I got my back or they passed my guard in, in that attempt. I think you see a more true fight, a more true jujitsu match in a sub only tournament. I like it. The uh, the last major, major, major divide in jujitsu is who is the better host? And I put a I was gonna put a poll up on Instagram to vote. Justin, Mike, best host. But I didn't want to hurt your feelings, so I went against that plan. I have the power of the old people on my side. They also hate Justin, so. It's a two-way street. But the old people, they don't have the Instagram. All right, guys, thanks for hanging out with us. As always, we put the links to our social media accounts below. So if you want to follow us individually or if you want to follow the show, give the links a click, check them out. We also put the link below to our YouTube page. And if you go on there, you're going to get a ton of content from us. Uh, Breaking news analysis, match highlights, technique breakdowns. Justin has started doing the YouTube shorts. It's just a crazy amount of content coming your way. Don't forget to check out Epic Roll and get 15% off at epicrollbjj.com with the coupon code podcast15. You can give them a follow on Instagram as well at epicrollbjj. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you use to listen to the show. It really helps us out. And since you want to help us out, why not tell your friends to listen as well? Because I think they'll like us as much as you like us. Say Justin's the best host. Say Justin beats up old people for a recreational activity. Makes me the best host. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Thanks, everybody. Be careful, old people.